0: Welcome back to another episode of the Harvard Homies NBA Draft Podcast. That's incredible. Yeah, uh, we got the new intro music coming in, uh, part of the show now. Uh, real excited about that, and today we're real excited about this show as well. Yeah, man, we got a lot of news and analysis coming to
1: you from the NBA Summer League, man. It's, it's exciting.
0: Yeah, our episode this week, we are going to be doing a uh, some coverage on the Las Vegas Summer League thus far. Most teams have played uh, three games to this point in Las Vegas Summer League, some teams have some Orlando or Utah Summer League games mixed in with that. But we are going to be talking about some some of the uh, twenty seventeen draft prospects, some who's improved their stock, some who've hurt their stock, and you know, some guys who've performed exactly as expected. And, you know, this has been a, a pretty interesting summer league to see because the twenty sixteen class, the second year guys, who are normally supposed to be the the ones who are really balling out in summer league, have really struggled. Meanwhile the The guys have looked really good, have been twenty seventeen guys. So it's been a testament to how good this class has been in terms of talent at the top, especially, but it's also a testament to the struggles that the twenty sixteen classes class faces, especially with uh Brandon Ingram only playing one game and Ben Simmons sitting the summer league out. Yeah, we've had
1: a lot of marquee guys from last year's draft not doing too much. You know, Jalen Brown has been looking good, but a lot of the those guys from last year, you know, has either struggled to find footing this year or, you know, hasn't looked super great. So it's been interesting and, you know, we've got a, a lot of players and, you know, obviously the Summer League isn't the end-all, be-all. You don't need to read too much into it, but it does give you a nice little preview, you know, into what they can lend and, you know, what role they'll be playing in the coming year.
0: Right. This All this analysis today, we just want to clarify, this is all reading too much into it. The Summer League is, you know, a few games, and the analysis from it generally doesn't end up actually coming true, but with little basketball being played right now besides it, uh, it's worth looking at, worth seeing how these guys have been performing, but again, Chris Dunn was balling out last summer in Summer League, and obviously struggled a ton this season, so take all these Summer League analyses with a grain of salt, but, you know, some of these do offer a preview into how guys have changed their game since the college season, and you can look at some of this stuff and see how guys are, are doing. Uh, on Jalen Brown, Cesar, uh, you, you talked about Jalen Brown and how he's looked good. I think Jalen Brown definitely has been impressive, but I think he struggled with his feel for the game a little bit. That's something that stood out to me. We're not going to talk too much about 2016 guys, but before we get into this, we'll mention a few guys who've stood out a little bit. Uh, DeAndre Bembry is one guy who's looked really good, making a ton of plays for the Hawks, uh, both on the offensive end as you know a, a really great facilitator. And on the defensive end, you know, generating a lot of steals and just playing really well on that end. Uh, Hawks University has obviously benefited him. He didn't get a chance to play a ton last season, but I think he's a guy who could break out with a lot more minutes as uh, the Hawks did not match that uh, $71 million offer sheet that the Knicks gave to Tim Hardaway Jr. So there will be more minutes on the wing for guys like DeAndre Bembry. He's a guy who could see a breakout next season. Uh, Another guy who last night, we're recording this on Tuesday morning, Alex Caruso, uh, had a breakout game with uh, 18 points, 9 assists, 4 steals, 4 rebounds, including 4 3-pointers. Um, it was Crusoe Mania last night in that Lakers-Kings game that he led them to a victory in. Uh, undrafted out of the 2016 class from that Texas A&M squad that featured you know, uh, like, uh, Daniel House and Jalen Jones, those guys. That was a really good team. And um, Crusoe looks like he's earned a spot on an NBA roster with his performance, so... That's good for him. Uh, Any other guys from the 2016 class that really stood out to you, Cesar?
1: Uh, You know, there's obviously been, you know, a lot of guys that have been up and down in the season, but, you know, Jalen Brown, I liked what he's doing defensively and has been a Big part of why Boston has looked good this uh, summer league, and as you're talking about other guys, you know Bryce Johnson had a big game against Lonzo Ball, where he did uh, made a lot of his shots and really did well on defense. So I'm I'm looking for my you know my brother in blue to break out hopefully, but you know we got a lot of interesting guys that have been playing really well from last year.
0: Yeah, Bryce Johnson only got nine minutes last season, so hopefully he can earn a little more than that in the coming year. Jakub Pertl's another guy from the 2016 classes, looked better than expected. Uh, with uh, Patrick Patterson and P.J. Tucker not back in Toronto next year, maybe portal can get some more minutes. Uh, that would be good for him, you know, if the Raptors decide to move on from Jonas Valanciunas. He could see some more minutes as well. But, yeah, overall, the 2016 class has been a disappointment. I mean, guys like Wade Baldwin, Dragon Bender really struggling. I mean, Marquise Chris still missing dunks and, you know, just not showing a great feel for the game. But, We're not here to talk 2016 class. We're here to talk about these 2017 rookies that we're really excited about. And before we get into this, be sure to go leave those five-star reviews on iTunes. Uh, We've been getting some great listenership lately. It's been awesome. We've got some great stuff coming. And be sure to leave those five-star reviews to keep stuff coming down the pipeline.
1: Yeah, man. Thanks for all the support. And we got a lot to talk about, man. We're getting into it.
0: Yeah, we'll start with the the guys who improved their stock with their performance at the Summer League thus far. And uh, the first guy that really stands out is John Collins. We've been digging into the Real GM advanced stats database from Summer League, which is really great to have because, you know, the NBA.com stats page for Summer League is very limited and, you know, sites like ESPN and Basketball Reference don't have this stuff. But uh, on Real GM, they've got it. It's great. And John Collins is a guy who, in terms of efficiency and advanced stats, has just been balling out plus 55 net points per 100 possessions. That's a huge stat to know. He's been posting great player efficiency rating as well. Just all-around great play from John Collins at Summer League. Not not really surprising. I mean, we were we love John Collins coming out, and we were talking about how much we love this fit with the Hawks. But I think one thing that's really made a difference for John Collins in his performance in Summer League has been, you know, his feel has been showing up. I mean, he only has four assists in three games, but he's shown better feel as a passer. And on the offensive end of the court, he's just, you know, with playing with a better vision understanding of the game what to do and that's something that's really helped him and uh you know posting a player efficiency rating of 34.15 that's that's a that's a continuation of what he was doing at wake forest in terms of just super high efficiency 21.09 total rebound percentage again beating up on guys on the boards collecting those shots 63 percent true shooting i mean he's basically doing what he did at wake forest with the hawks obviously not as high volume of his stats but He's doing the same sort of things and winning in the same sort of ways. And that's really encouraging to see from Collins. And the fact that, you know, he's playing a little smart on offense. Defensively, he looks a little better versed in his rotations. He's not as off and as crazy. I think that he's a guy who really looks like a solid pick for the Hawks at number 19 when they got him.
1: Yeah, Collins has been looking, you know, really fantastic in this past few games uh, for Atlanta. And, you know, this is why I compare, you know, this draft in terms of just being so strong to, you know, drafts like the 1996 draft where you don't know, you know, where the best player is going to get. You're going to get him, you know, you could get him at that 10 spot or at that 13 spot like my my Charlotte Hornets got Kobe Bryant. So John Collins, Kobe Bryant. Almost the same thing. I'm not going that far, but he's looked very good, you know, shooting really, being really efficient, and, you know, he's really increased his feel for the game. And I think that, you know, he obviously isn't a, su- a superior defender too much now, but I think that, you know, he has made steps, and offensively, he's been, you know, the driving force for that Atlanta team, and I think that he's looked Really good in terms of just making that next step and being able to really fit well into the NBA system so far.
0: Yeah, the Hawks probably going to be the, one of the worst teams in in the league next year in that race for Luka Doncic and that number one pick. But I think uh, John Collins and DeAndre Bembry are two young guys who look really good. And you know, Tony Prince has struggled a little bit in summer league, but uh, down the stretch last season, he looked he looked really good. And I think he's another piece of that young core. I mean. Obviously, Ben Bream Prince, a little older for most second-year players. I think they're both either 23 or 24, so a little older. But John Collins just turned 19, so he's got plenty of time to keep growing as a player. And, you know, he's just a really awesome player, and I'm, I'm super happy. Actually, didn't just turn 19. He'll turn 20 in September, but, you know, still very young, obviously. And I'm excited to see how John Collins continues to grow under Coach Budenholzer, especially, you know, as we said before, if he can expand his three-point shot to – to beyond the arc. You know, he's flashed a little bit of mid-range game, but he hasn't really shown any three-point capabilities. Hasn't attempted a three-pointer in the Summer League yet. I'd like to see him expand his game out there. I think he could be a really useful player if he could do that. But uh, now we're going to talk about some of the undrafted guys that have impressed before we get back into the, uh, the drafted guys. Charles Cook, out of uh, Dayton, who's on the Minnesota Timberwolves Summer League team, has played really well. You know, limited minutes, only about 11 minutes per game over the course of three games. But, He's looked really good in that time. You know, his per-36 scoring numbers are really good. I think he's averaging about 28 points per 36. Uh, His three-point shooting and defensive stats are showing up as well. And that's what he profiled as coming out of Dayton as a, you know, defensive stopper who can hit some threes. And I think he's the type of guy who could help Minnesota. I don't know. He's probably not getting any playing time this season if he even manages to crack their roster. But I think he's a guy who they could develop a little bit. And, you know, if his three-point shot and defense continues to grow, he could be... A valuable rotation player for them in a couple of years possibly.
1: Yeah, exactly. I don't know what type of food they're eating up in Minnesota, but Charles cooking out here, I promise you. Maybe he's putting some brats on the grill. Maybe he's making some cheese. I don't know, man. But he's he's been looking good. He's been uh shooting very well and, you know, been very efficient on that end, even though he hasn't gotten huge minutes so far. But I like what I've seen and, you know, a guy out of Dayton, uh, you know, very close to my heart, uh, He's been looking very good, and you know, as one of those seasoned guys that hopefully can add something to uh, Minnesota if he, you know, makes that next step.
0: I didn't realize you were a Dayton guy. You big, you big Dayton fan?
1: Uh, you know, it's close enough to North Carolina, so
0: yeah. Ohio, Ohio, North Carolina, all the same. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right. I like it. Um, Cameron Oliver, our guy uh, out of Nevada, who was number nineteen on my final draft board, ended up signing with the Rockets. Has impressed, you know. Again, limited minutes for him, like Charles Cook. Cameron Oliver's only gotten 36 minutes over the course of three games, but, you know, his three-point shooting and shot blocking have showed up, and he's rebounded as well, given his limited minutes, which is good to see, because rebounding was a bit of a question for him coming out of Nevada, but he's blocked a ton of shots, you know, he, had, he managed to get three blocks in one of his games, even though he's in playing really limited minutes, and, you know, the Rockets signed him to a multi-year deal, I don't know if any of that's guaranteed or, or what, or if it's a two-way contract, some sort of thing like that, but we've been saying that we feel like Cameron Oliver could play right away for them this season as, you know, a solid bench option at the big man spot given their limited depth there and he's a guy who we both really like and it's exciting to see him succeeding in summer league
1: yeah oliver has looked really good the rockets had to clear out a lot of their bench depth you know last year they probably had the best bench in the league with you know guys like aaron Gordon and lou williams that provide a lot of value so with you know having those guys gone now i think that you know having the cameron oliver who's put up some really good stats and has looked you know very solid all around you know will be very valuable for them next year since they won't have as much bench depth and you know we'll have some minutes to throw the guy down his way
0: yeah obviously very small sample for all these guys you know charles cook over the course of just two games uh, posted three for five from three cameron Olivers played three games shot two for six from three so we're talking really small sample sizes when we talk about all these guys but you know it is encouraging to see them do some of this stuff and again don't try to take too much away from the summer league uh, because reading too much into this is always going to get you in trouble but Cameron Oliver, 19.4 total rebound percentage, 6.59 block percentage, and a 23.43 player efficiency rating. So some good stuff from him in limited minutes, and he's a guy who could certainly help the Rockets next season. I mean, obviously you have got to combine this analysis with their college play, and you know we liked Cameron Oliver in college. So when when you put those two things together, you start to see, okay, this guy, this guy might be legit, especially if he's succeeding in the summer league, even given limited minutes. But now let's move back into the guys who were actually drafted. You know, not many undrafted guys have really stood out besides Cook and Oliver, at least to us. But we'll see. The Las Vegas Summer League is not over yet. There's still more to be seen. Uh, Dennis Smith Jr. has really impressed. He's looked better than any of the the rookie point guards have, mainly because uh, those other guys have all really struggled in some way. Uh, Lonzo Ball, we'll talk about him. Markel Fultz will talk about him as well. De'Aaron Fox has been... we, We put him in the stock neutral section. We'll get to him. But, you know... None of those guys has really balled out, and Frank is not even playing summer league. So uh, Dennis Smith Jr. has really looked good, averaging, I think, about 26 points per 36 minutes, posting some good assist numbers as well, and actually rebounding really well as well. I think he posted like 10 rebounds per 36 minutes or something like that. So he's just doing a really good job. Over the course of the two games he's played, he's posted uh, 19.5 points per game, 7.5 rebounds per game, 5 assists per game, and you want to dive into the advanced stats. Uh, 21.82 player efficiency rating, 34 assist percentage to a 17 turnover percentage. That's uh, pretty much exactly what he posted at NC State, if my memory serves correctly. So doing doing some stuff with the Mavericks, that's really impressive. Oh, excuse me. I was looking at his NC State stats. No wonder. Uh, that's my bad. Uh, but 36 assist percentage to a 16 turnover percentage. So again, so that's still really close to what he posted at NC State. 35.71 player efficiency rating so far in the Summer League. So that's, that's some really good stuff. Uh, he's he's had a great summer league so far and a 14.7 total rebound percentage again very limited sample size but posted some great stats and just still looked very explosive you know playing, just playing really hard and you know Dennis Smith we, we talked about how much we loved his fit with the Mavericks I called it my favorite pick in the draft and I'm really excited it's already great to see him succeeding in this summer, really exciting. And uh, I, I can't wait to see more from him once the regular season starts.
1: Yeah, Dennis Smith has looked like a dog, a wolf out there, man. He's been ferocious. You know, he's been one of them wolf pack boys. But I think, you know, he's looked very good. And you know, obviously, you know, talking, you know, it was from what I've seen in his interviews, obviously, you know, he's talked about the change in pace and offenses and you know how the game is you know shifted from college to NBA and I think that he's made you know a solid transition being able to use his elite athleticism and outside scoring in decent you know in decent shape so he's looked very good and, and being able to provide so much leadership and you know being a solid uh solid point guard for that Mavericks team that Obviously, you know, is very young and has a lot of guys that are bringing back. Obviously, Dirk signing with them again and having New Orleans Noel and Harrison Barnes is very promising. And I think that, you know, Dennis Smith is the only thing that can stop him is, you know, some Magic Johnson stuff. Stay off of Twitter, my guy.
0: Yeah, uh, Dennis Smith, uh, sling him wood as uh, he tweeted a, a few years ago. Uh, one of the funnier tweets of draft season. Also, you got the Zach Collins tweet about him getting drafted by the Blazers in 2K, something like that. But yeah, you know, good stuff from Dennis Smith Jr. in Summer League so far. Jonathan Isaac, next guy to talk about. Our guy, number two player on my board. Well, we were high on Isaac all the draft season. And then, you know, as he sort of grew as a prospect, everyone was sort of catching up with us because we were, we were the ones who were early on Jonathan Isaac. But he's looked really good in Summer League. You know, his three-point shot has been struggling a little bit. Uh, one for four from three over the course of the three games he played at the Orlando Summer League. So... Obviously a very small sample, but, you know, the rest of what he's done has been really encouraging. You know, you saw him taking some pull-up mid-range shots, just scoring in a variety of ways, which is very encouraging. You know, put up 31 points in the 55.9 minutes he played. So that's that's a very good scoring, right? It's about what he posted at Florida State with about, you know, a point every two minutes or so. So continuing his scoring and looking a little more assertive than he did at Florida State with a 26.4 usage percentage. And, you know, what was really impressive about Isaac is was his interior play. A 22.46 total rebound percentage, including a 19.81 offensive rebound percentage, 7.19 block percentage. Just, you know, people have talked about, you know, Isaac's weak, He's he can't play on the interior. But in Orlando, he really played well on in the interior, just rebounding really well and blocking a lot of shots. But also, combining that tantalizing perimeter play. Uh, the other question with Isaac, besides his, you know, struggles from three-point, was... His low playmaking, he only had a 3.88 assist percentage over the course of the Summer League, Posted one assist in 55 minutes. So that's definitely a question for him, and that's something that he'll have to continue to answer, is his playmaking ability. But, you know, if he's being used as a 4 or even a 5 in Orlando, I think you worry less about his playmaking. But on a team that's starved for playmaking, that is a question for him. But, you know, Summer League playmaking stats are generally noisy because you have a lot of these scrubs who you know, they'll get looks around the basket from someone and just miss them because, you know, a lot of these guys aren't NBA players. So, again, assist stats in the summer league are noisy. So, just like all these stats are, really. But Isaac did impress, and, you know, his mobility in his perimeter game was really impressive.
1: Yeah, Isaac has been looking good. He played some big minutes in the Orlando Summer League and I think that, you know, giving him that opportunity to grow on offense was really valuable for Orlando. When he was given the ball, he hit a he hit nearly a uh, a really high percentage of all the open looks that he got and he created some good shots from the outside even though he did struggle a little bit with the shot from three point range. So I think that, you know, he does need to add some strength. He looked he he did look a little feral out there, my guy. But you know, once he does add strength, and I think that he can add to that defensive presence that he already is showing with that such you know incredible intelligence and you know that uh uh excuse me that intuition to know you know how and when to block shots and you know having that defensive IQ is obviously super valuable. And then you know once he grows into his body and is able to add some weight, he'll can even bolster his you know, inside scoring threat that was uh, is certainly growing.
0: Yeah, great play from Jonathan Isaac in the Orlando Summer League. Next guy to talk about is another one of our guys, Sterling Brown, uh, with the Milwaukee Bucks. He's looked pretty good in his time with the Bucks, struggling a lot from two-point range. That was the main concern for him. And coming out, that was something that we pegged as something to watch for him was his poor two-point scoring ability. That, that was something he struggled with at SMU, and that's continued into the NBA Summer League, Uh, but he's done other things well. You know, even though he's only shot seven for 18 from two-point range, that's not good. He's shot four for nine from three, been a good three-point shooter, as we expected, 45% over the course of his career, SMU, 44% in the Summer League so far. And something that's really been impressive for Sterling has been his defensive activity level, a 3.00 steal percentage, a 6.11 block percentage. That's something I didn't see coming was his shot-blocking ability. You know, posting four steals and five blocks over the course of Three games in the Las Vegas Summer League, you know, he's just been impressive all around, uh, scoring the ball pretty well, putting up ten points in in twenty-one minutes a game. So Sterling uh, still struggling from two-point. That lack of athleticism is apparent when he's driving to the lane. I mean, there were a couple times where I watched him take drives where he just kind of, you know, just tried to get around someone and he just didn't have the athleticism to, and he ended up just putting up a bad shot or getting it blocked, something like that. So I think two-point scoring is going to be something he struggles with, but. As a three-point scorer and versatile defender, that's what he really brings to the table that's useful, and he's been showing that in the Summer League so far, and it's good to see that from him, and I think in Milwaukee, he's going to be an awesome fit.
1: Yeah, Sterling did you know what we expected him to and did it very well. He made those three-point shots that we obviously expected him to be able to translate well to the NBA, hitting really high percentages at his time at smu so that is one you know his best characteristic and something that can really translate to a milwaukee team that needs outside scoring and on the defensive end he's been putting up big numbers and being very effective locking down some of the premier guys in the summer league so i liked what he did and i think that you know milwaukee can certainly use a player as you know versatile as him
0: yeah sterling brown uh hopefully he can earn some minutes this season in milwaukee Jason Kidd won't be afraid to play him right away. Uh, His teammate, DJ Wilson, who the Bucs took in the first round, has also looked really good in Summer League. Just doing a little bit of everything. You know, hitting threes, rebounding better than expected, blocking shots, even, you know, flashing some nice floater game on the inside. He's also been getting a lot of assists as well, at least relative to his expectations. So, DJ Wilson has looked really good for the Bucs as well. I mean, him and Rashad Vaughn have been leading that Summer League team so far, and that's been a good combo. Rashad Vaughn... uh, Uh, kind of having a breakout after really struggling for his first two years in the NBA, but uh, now DJ Wilson looked really good in this summer league, and that's always good to see uh, because we were high on DJ Wilson. Cesar talked about him in our second round prospects. Cesar was first really high on him, and you know, DJ Wilson shooting 38% from three in the summer league so far, about what he did at Michigan last year. Struggling a lot from two point, you know, only a 46, or excuse me, 43% field goal percentage Overall, but, you know, a 17 assist percentage is good numbers for him. He didn't do that in Michigan at all, so that's encouraging. 5.56 block percentage, and, you know, still struggled to rebound a little bit, but at least on the defensive end, he's doing a better job rebounding. 18.66 defensive rebound, excuse me, rebounding percentage. He's really just struggled a lot on offense with only a 3.77 offensive rebound percentage. So, DJ Wilson, you know, uh, hasn't been amazing, but has probably outperformed his draft slot a little bit you know, showing better poise than expected and, you know, just doing a lot of different things for the Milwaukee Bucks Summer League team.
1: Oh, absolutely. He's looked very good. I just like to say, you know, on a lot of sports podcasts and shows, people aren't responsible for the takes that they are, but that's not what we're about at Hardwood Homies. I like to stay for the record, I have been correct on every pick I've made. I picked the final four correct and I picked DJ Wilson. This man is a star. He's been doing everything. He's Put up some very good rebounding numbers and has converted a lot of his outside looks. So he's looked very good. And I think that, you know, he's certainly outplayed his draft spot. You know, even though he hasn't been you know, quite in that top tier of, you know, leading the team in scoring or anything like that, I still think that he's, you know, an incredible value for where they got him. And he'll be, you know, one of those marquee players on a team that's really on the come up.
0: Yeah. You talked about your takes being correct, but what about you saying Thomas Bryant should have gone in the first round back in uh, back in April? How about that take, Cesar?
1: I have no recollection of that. All I know is Isaiah Hardenstein, stud, DJ Wilson, stud, uh, Dwayne Bacon, superstar, Charlotte, hit me up.
0: All right, all right. We'll see about that. But uh, next guy to talk about, another one of our guys that we really liked. And, you know, not to just sound like we're, we're pumping up our own takes, but these guys have actually all looked really good. Jonah Bolden's another one, uh, one of our guys who's just been awesome. Uh, He's been really good in Summer League so far. His mobility is showing up. I mean, Nate Duncan tweeted that Jonah Bolden looks more mobile than any of the other bigs in Summer League. And that was one of the main reasons that we liked Jonah Bolden coming out was his mobility. You know, he's blocking shots and getting steals, a continuation of what he was doing this season with Radnicki Basket in the Adriatic League. So he's continued that. And, you know, his three-point percentages have been low, only shooting 31% from three, but he, he's, he's flashed the three-point shooting ability, and his shot looks good, and I've been watching a lot of Bolden because, obviously, I'm very high on him, and I'm interested to see how he's performed, and offensively, his movement has really impressed me. He's just very good at finding space around the perimeter and getting open. Uh, I would like to see him play on the interior a little more. I think that, you know, he doesn't take advantage of his size all the time, but he's very good at finding space on the perimeter to get three-point shots up and that's something that's really encouraging to see because i think that that's something that's really going to help him in the nba is you know utilizing his three point shooting ability to help create space and you know that three point shooting and hanging around the arc hasn't hurt him too much on the offensive glass posting a 13.13 offensive rebound percentage so that's still a pretty good number he's not an elite rebounder and you know we weren't touting him as that coming out but he's he's done a, a fairly good job of that uh, in the summer league so far and you look at the 3.53 still percentage 7.09 block percentage just generating a ton of plays on the defensive end and, you know, making a lot of things happen. Uh, so he's he's looked really good on that end of the floor. And offensively, you know, again, three-point shots been inconsistent, 6 for 19 from 3 over the course of the Summer League. But his stroke looks good, and I think, you know, with some more time and development in Philadelphia, he can get that shot to being a solid threat. And again, if he continues to improve his rebounder, he's going to be a very useful, versatile player who can fill either frontcourt spot and you know, maybe even play a little bit of small forward with those guys in Philadelphia and how they mix and match. I'm not, I'm not really in love with that just because, you know, I'm always more of a fan of downsizing. I don't really believe in big ball. That's why I didn't like what the Timberwolves have been doing. But, you know, Jonah Bolden's obviously a very versatile guy and people who are saying, oh, the competition level that he was facing in the Adriatic League uh, overstated his impact. He's done really well in summer league. And I think that, you know, his impact is, is coming through, and people are starting to see that this guy might actually be pretty good.
1: Yeah, Bowen, one of our favorites in the second round. He is, I think, one of the highest ceilings of any of the second round picks, and, you know, he has been certainly been showing that in the Summer League. His three-point shot, you know, one of the things that people covet him a lot about, you know, this 6'10 guy who can really shoot the ball from the outside. He has not been falling too much recently in the Summer League. He's been struggling a little bit, but outside of that, I think that with that you know obviously you know that not falling yet is allowed him to show some of the other great things that he does he's made a really big impact on defense for the 76ers in the summer you know he had a four block game and has put up some really good numbers on that end using you know his elite athleticism and you know that's one reason we love him I think that You know, having a guy who's that big and that mobile to be able to defend and hit threes is, you know, something that Philly obviously really needs. And, you know, it may not be a perfect scenario and they're kind of stuck in this situation of whether they're going to stash him or whether they can bring him in and, you know, give him minutes automatically. So, it'll be interesting and, you know, this uh, strong showing from him certainly, you know, switch the tables on Philly a little bit, but I'm excited to see what he's doing. In the next few years,
0: yeah, uh, it's looking like Philly signing Amir Johnson may have been a bad move, especially now that they don't have the room to go and get Contavious Caldwell Pope. Uh, I bet Brian Colangelo is really regretting that move because you know they could just bring over Bolden for the minimum, and he could easily fill Amir Johnson's minutes. Obviously, Bolden can't offer that veteran leadership that Amir Johnson can, and this season Amir Johnson, an RPM superstar, probably would be more valuable than Bolden. But I think that you know getting some development time for Bolden would be really good, but. We'll see whether they still bring him over or not, or whether he spends another year with Red Star. He does have a contract with them in the in the Adriatic League. So or maybe it's your league. I'm not sure. I know he's signed with them. But we'll see where Jonah Bolden ends up over the next few years, as Cesar said. But next guy to talk about uh, has been a guy who's caught a lot of people, people's eyes in various games. Is Donovan Mitchell with the Utah Jazz, a, a guy we were really high on coming out, had him number seven on my board. And I've been really impressed with how Donovan Mitchell's played. You know, just making a lot of plays and using his athleticism, posting a 6.11 steal percentage. That's a really high number. You know, him and DeAndre Bembry, two guys who've just been generating a ton of steals. And, you know, his three-point shot's still been struggling a bit. I think he's only shooting uh, in, the, in the low 30s for in terms of his percentages so far. So that's, that's a problem for him. And, you know, his three-point shot's continuing to improve. But obviously this is a small sample, and I do think his three-point shot's better than what he's shown here. I mean, I've seen workout videos of him shooting, which, again... Noisy thing to look at because workout videos aren't in a game setting, but his shot does look continuing to improve. So I am excited for Donovan Mitchell, and you know just the way that he's been creating plays in summer league, and you know his playmaking ability has shown up a little bit too. With you know some people have hoped that he could potentially transition to being uh, 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 at least a part-time ball handler. I think that that would be a good thing for him, and you know I'm excited to see how Donovan Mitchell develops in Utah, especially with. Likely him getting more perimeter touches this season now that Gordon Hayward's gone. And I think he could be a really great player for them. And his Summer League performance, you know, although his efficiency hasn't been great, is really encouraging.
1: Yeah, he's looked really good for Utah, you know, being a defensive presence as, you know, one of those leaders with. So many, you know, big defensive players like Rudy Gobert, obviously on Utah. So I think that Donovan Mitchell is a really big upside play for the Jazz. You know, since they don't have Gordon Hayward anymore, they have you know a lot of space and what they can do and how they their uh excuse me how their roster will be flexible. So Donovan Mitchell has been looking really good defensively, and you know even though his a three-point shot has been struggling he's you know been a bit streaky at uh, Louisville so I don't I don't uh, I don't put it against him for you know being able to get back his touch and you know he does so many things well on offense and being a lockdown defender is so valuable nowadays I think that you know he has shown so much potential and if he's able to get a shot and you know get that nice touch from the outside he can be the player that you know we really hope and expect he'll be
0: yeah, one other thing that Donovan Mitchell struggled with has been drawing fouls. Uh, only six free throw attempts to six sixty-seven field goal attempts over the course of the Summer League. Again, all this is small sample size, and it's all noisy stats, but that is something to watch is Donovan Mitchell's foul drawing ability. Um, maybe he needs to go into contact more as a driver because, again, his shooting efficiency struggles have continued from Louisville, only shooting 38% in the Summer League. That's dragged down by an 8-for-26 performance in the Las Vegas Summer League that has hurt his efficiency as a whole a lot, but even so, uh, he he needs to figure out uh, how to fix that, you know, ability to finish around the rim, because that's something he struggled with at Louisville, and his inability to draw fouls and his struggling finishing around the rim has continued into summer league, so again, we like Donovan Mitchell, but there's still stuff he has to improve on, but his defensive impact showing up is really encouraging, and his playmaking ability has looked better than expected as well, so that's all exciting to see, but we still need to see Donovan Mitchell make improvements before he becomes you know, a legit rotation guy, just like almost every guy in this draft does. But another guy who's kind of came out of nowhere as a, a guy who's really impressed in summer league, uh, I called it the worst pick of the draft, and it's looking like I might have to eat crow. Uh, Bam out of bio at number 14 with the heat has just been awesome in the summer league, both in Orlando and in Las Vegas. Uh, just a combination of offensive rebounding, shot blocking, and finishing along with putting up some great volume on his stats has just made out look really good i mean especially early on in the orlando summer league he was just dominating you know posting double doubles and everything and that's continued into the las vegas summer league and i've been really impressed with autobio I, I didn't think he had this in him honestly but uh, he's showing up as a, a better athlete than i gave him credit for and you know maybe a better finisher than i gave him credit for as well and being able to contribute at a higher volume and just being a, a good full-time center but Again, the problem for him is, in Miami, he might not have the opportunity to play a whole lot of full-time center, given Hassan Whiteside's presence, so uh, it's going to be interesting to watch how he fits in there, but I've been really impressed with how was played in summer league.
1: Yeah, he was killing it in Orlando. You know, one of the huge names and one of the biggest storylines coming out of the Orlando Summer Cam- uh, summer League was, you know, how dominant Adebayo was. He did such good work inside and was, you know, a really dominating presence uh in the paint, getting, you know, put back shots and grabbing offensive rebounds. So he looked really good and having that, you know, team there with Miami coming back. It'll be interesting as we're talking about, you know, where he'll fit with Hassan Whiteside. And you know how he'll be able to incorporate into that roster, but you know regardless of that, they he certainly has been balling out, and you know he's looked very good. He's been a very efficient as you know a rebounder and a scorer. So uh, you know I, I think that he has done what you know they uh, he has advertised this you know very strong post presence. Uh, just like his time at Kentucky, so I think that he's been looking good and uh, obviously, you know, if he wants to expand his game, he'll probably need to do that if he wants to, you know, actually get minutes next to Whiteside, but, you know, if he lands somewhere else, I think that he can be very valuable in what he can add.
0: Yeah, Autovirus struggled a lot with efficiency in Orlando, shooting only 19 of 54 from the field, I think that was a big product of, you know, sometimes him forcing some post-up looks, and taking a lot of ill advised mid range jumpers. But he drew a ton of fouls of forty two free throw attempts over the course of those four games and shot seventy six percent from the line over the course of the Orlando Summer League. That's better than what he did at Kentucky. So his his jump shot improving, that was sort of a, a small a small storyline coming out. People were saying that he was a better jump shooter than he showed at Kentucky. And that free throw percentage would certainly be an indication of that. So, you know, maybe we see Bam out of bio shooting from mid range in the perimeter more uh, next year. So that's something to watch for sure and that's exciting to see. Um, I'm glad for out to, see, to see Adebayo succeed. I didn't want him to be the worst pick in the draft especially because I think this Miami Heat team is fun so that'll be fun to see if Adebayo can continue to, to expand his game. Uh, another guy who's looked really good is uh, Kyle Kuzma with the Lakers. Uh, his hot hand just continued from the combine. Uh, he had a, a huge game I think put up 30 points in one of his games and his three-point shots just continue to look good. Obviously a uh, a small sample size, only a two games played for Kuzma so far, but uh, he he's he was really good in those two games, and his scoring continued to look good. So it's exciting to see Kuzma continue to look good, and he could end up being a steal at number twenty seven for the Lakers.
1: Yeah, Kuzma was one of the most athletically gifted, and you know one of those uh, incredibly. Uh, fluid athletes on the wing and you know the Lakers got a guy that can really move the ball well and works well in their system with Lonzo and Brandon Ingram so they've had a a, a very good showing you know so far and I think that you know having Kuzma being that true outside threat getting so hot and you know hitting a high percentage three-point shots is very valuable as you know, young team that definitely needs shooting. He will, you know, obviously occupy a role that's very valuable, and he's been looking very good and outplayed his draft socks so far.
0: Yeah, one game against the Celtics put up 31 points, nine rebounds, including five of ten from the three-point line. So, I think the key for Kuzma is uh, his three-point shot. You know, coming out we talked about him as you know he was pretty average or a little above average in most portions of his game but he needed to have one standout skill to really stick in the NBA as a good player and that's looking like it can be three point shooting and you know given his mobility as Cesar mentioned he could potentially play some small forward if his that three point shot continues to succeed but you know we'll see how Kuzma continues to develop in LA but he should be able to get a fair amount of minutes next season given you know the fact that you know on the wing they don't have a lot of guys you know Luol Dang not really should be getting a ton of minutes at this point in his career so Kuzma could potentially get some time at either forward spot next season. That'll be exciting to see. And that's going to wrap up the stock up section. That's all the guys that you know we've been impressed by out of this class. Obviously, there are a number of guys who were undrafted from previous drafts or from the 2016 or 2015 class, or even 2014. I mean, you look at how well Dante Exum has played. So still guys to watch from other classes. But right now, we're just focusing on the 2017 guys because we don't want this to be a three-hour podcast. Um, moving on to stock down, though. We'll start with uh, the number one pick in this year's draft, Markel Foltz. I mean, it's pretty easy to see why the stock's down. The man got hurt, uh, sprained his ankle is the official word uh, out of Philadelphia about the injury, which is good that it's not something serious because, man, if they had another serious injury to a top pick, that would have just been absolutely brutal for the process. But Foltz is out for the remainder of the summer league with that injury. And, you know, the injury is concerning, but he did struggle a bit with efficiency early on in summer league, but he did look pretty good uh, during his time in the summer league, you know. Obviously, flashing that elite spin move and just just contributing in a number of different ways. Not not great in terms of playmaking for others, but you know, summer league, as we said, playmaking stats are noisy because you're playing with a lot of scrubs who can't finish shots. So it's it'll be interesting to see how Fultz uh, can incorporate himself as a playmaker in Philadelphia, especially given Ben Simmons' presence. But we'll see what goes on with that, and it'll be exciting to watch Fultz come in. But it's too bad we didn't get get to see any more of him in the Summer League because he got hurt.
1: Yeah, the I, I mean, I don't really, you know, put too much stock in efficiency stats in Summer League since, you know, you're trying to get as many shots up as possible and, you know, you're not really worried too much about it, but I think that, you know, Fault showed why he is the number one pick. You know, he had had that same, you know, shift of speeds and being able to get into the lane at will that, you know, you see from guys like James Harden and Russell Westbrook, you know, that elite athleticism and, you know, being able to change speeds and having such a, you know, vast offensive catalog of moves you can pull out so he certainly looked good in the first few games i was playing and you know he went up head to head with jason tatum when they played the celtics and he held his own and obviously they choked away the lead but you know i don't i don't think it's too serious the injury you know he did sprain his ankle but hopefully the process won't be too damaged you know it seems like philly is one of the unluckiest teams in the league but you know they've got a lot of promise and Hopefully, if Ben Simmons is starting at the point, you know he'll be able to find a role as you know those elite shot maker.
0: Yeah, I mean his permanent stats were very good in the Salt Lake Summer League. The, the only one where he lasted full games as his time in the Las Vegas Summer League was cut short by the ankle injury. Posted uh, twenty points per game in twenty four minutes a game uh, over the course of those two games, uh, three assists and three and a half rebounds in those games as well. So good efficiency from Fultz, uh six for. 13 over the course of the salt lake summer league as well so you know really he's only stocked down because of the injury you know if that lingers and it becomes a problem it could be bad but in terms of his encore play he looked fine he looked like you know a number one pick He, he, he he wasn't outstanding he didn't throw anyone like oh my gosh this guy's insane he was the lock number one pick but he didn't look awful and there's not really someone else who's looked like they've deserved the spot over him with just pure dominance in the Summer League so far, so I'm not going to put too much stock into this because it is Summer League, but Fultz being injured is bad. Next guy to talk about with down is the number two pick, Lonzo Ball, who was quote-unquote injured and avoided that matchup with De'Aaron Fox and the Kings last night, which the Lakers ended up winning on the backs of Alex Caruso's uh, unforgettable performance, but Lonzo avoiding that uh, matchup with Fox is obviously uh, sad to see because It would have been fun to see a third matchup between those two guys, especially after Fox torched Lonzo in the NCAA tournament to the tune of 39 points while holding Lonzo to 10 points. Uh, Everyone wanted to see those two guys go at it again, but even when he's played, uh, before he got quote-unquote injured, uh, Lonzo only shot two for 16 from three-point range and posted just an 8.2-player efficiency rating. And again, these stats are noisy, but uh, Lonzo Ball's uh, shooting was something to worry about coming into the NBA, especially given his unorthodox form and questionable shot selection. And in the Summer League, he definitely struggled from outside, shooting just two for 16 from three-point range. So that's, that's certainly something to question, but his playmaking was really great. And he obviously posted a triple-double in his second game in the Las Vegas Summer League. But, you know he struggled in that first game a lot and it's going to be interesting to see how his offense translates to the NBA.
1: Yeah, he, you know, was, had an up, da- up and down two first games, you know, he's obviously the symptom of hyperbola, you know, getting always oh, oh, the best thing ever. Oh, no, never mind, He's a bust after one bad game. So, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, he is what uh, he is as advertised. He, you know, in that first game, he didn't look too confident in shooting. But, you know, his re- his passing, obviously, you know, is his best characteristic. And if, you know, Brandon Ingram is there for lobs and other shot creation, I think that he'll be valuable. But, man, now that Lonzo's hurt, oh, huh, we can move on to the the real show. Put LeVar in, Magic Johnson. I can't wait. He's about to beat M- Michael Jordan one-on-one. Put him in, man. We got to see it.
0: Yeah, LeVar Ball and Alex Caruso. Uh, forget Paul George and LeBron. Let's get LeVar Ball and Alex Caruso on the Lakers to be that next dynasty. Uh, next guy to talk about in the stock down section, Larry Markkinen, the number seven pick to the Chicago Bulls. Uh, he's just looked very bad. And, um, I mean, you don't want to read too much into Summer League, but... I think this could be a sign that, you know, Markinen is going to really struggle in the NBA. Two for 15 from three-point range, four for nine from two-point range, and has just struggled in basically every facet of the game. I mean, he's blocked a couple shots, but again, you block three shots, and that sends your block's percentage skyrocketing because it's such a small sample size, so I'm just very worried about Lowry's ability to succeed in the NBA because, you know, again, he's going to be a good three-point shooter, but he wasn't in the summer league, and when that three-point shot wasn't falling and it wasn't two for 15, he just completely was unable to make an impact in any other facet of the game. And that's something that's really worrisome for him because, you know, that three-point shot looks good, but he doesn't offer anything else to a team. And I'm already feeling bad for having him. I was lower on him than a lot of people where I think I had him like 13th on my board or something like that, 12th or 13th. But I I do already feel like I should have put him lower and I should have seen this coming because he's really struggled. And, you know... I mean, it was pretty easy to see him struggling at, in the NBA just because, you know, he's not an elite athlete. He he doesn't offer a lot, and especially in a team like Chicago that's not going to use him in ways that will help him and play to his strengths. I mean, we talked about how, you know, certain coaches could definitely maximize him. I mean, we were gushing about how great Mike D'Antoni would be for his development, but I think in Chicago, he's going to really struggle, and I think that this summer league really is a preview of what's going to be a rough couple first seasons for Larry Markkinen.
1: Yeah, marketing, you know, obviously, you know, being so good at one thing and, you know, if you don't provide too much else, if that one thing is broken or, you know, not working as advertised, you know, they're going to get a lot of flack. So he wasn't too effective and, you know, shot a low percentage from three and that was a big concern considering that he was advertised as you know if not the best you know three-point shooter in this class so that's kind of a conundrum of oh you know what can we do with him if he's not making threes you know in the same way Dirk or you know Kyle Korver has that problem so you know I think that I his shot will come back and I think that I wouldn't worry too much about it, but it, I think this will depend on, you know, how streaky it will be or if you're able to be, you know, m- consistently year after year, just like JJ Redick, you know, can make threes, you know, consistently year after year or whether his stats will be up and down. So. I I think Markin, you know, was a risky pick that going that high to Chicago with so many talented guys still there. You know, Dennis Smith Jr., John Collins, other guys that, you know, do so many other things outside of just, you know, being an outside threat. I think that, you know, it will be temperamental in terms of, you know, whether he can get back a shot and, you know, be consistent on that end, so it'll be interesting and hopefully he can fix it so he can add some value to a to a very struggling Chicago team.
0: Cesar, why would the Bulls take Dennis Smith Jr when they have Chris Dunn and Cameron Payne, two of the best young point guards in the league? I mean, I can't understand uh trying to restrict minutes from either of those like really good players.
1: The best uh it's like Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum uh on Nick Jr.
0: Yeah, um no we that we are not serious uh Chris Dunn and Cameron Payne have looked awful in summer league particularly Cameron Payne that that Doug McDermott and Taj Gibson trade looks terrible especially considering that the Bulls threw in a second round pick you know instead of just selling that second round pick for three and a half million uh what were they thinking um yeah the Bulls front office is a disaster and they could be especially bad next season especially if you know Dwayne Wade does end up getting bought out even then though I think that they're going to struggle a lot um They'll they'll be up there in the sweepstakes for that number one pick in the 2018 draft for sure. Uh, another guy who struggled. Uh, all, a lot of these top picks uh, have had problems. Josh Jackson, the number four selection, out of KU, uh, struggling with the Suns. Uh, he, he's been uh, obviously his athleticism shown up, and you know he's been making plays in various ways. But his his scoring efficiency has been a question. You know, only 36 percent from the floor and 23 percent from three point range, and that's been the biggest question with Jackson. But I, I was sort of prepared for this, you know, coming out, I didn't think Jackson was going to be an impactful scorer right away, especially in terms of efficiency, but he's a guy who offers a lot in other facets of the game that don't involve scoring, but, you know, this real struggle with scoring and uh, the three-point shot especially are concerning, you know, he his people were sort of buying into the idea that he was a better three-point shooter, uh, especially given his performance over the second half of the season at KU, but I think this is, you know, a bit of a confirmation that You know, that was sort of noisy, and that wasn't necessarily his actual shooting percentages. And, you know, we'll see how he does his rookie season, how well he can score. But this summer league has shown that, you know, scoring may be a challenge for him early on.
1: Yeah, uh, excuse me. uh, Josh Jackson, you know, has had some struggles, you know, being able to have, have an impact on offense. You know, he's been doing some solid things on defense, but, you know, he's faced some stiff competition. Uh, Dennis Smith jr. you know really gave him the sauce when they played, you know, he he torched them for 25 points, so, you know, Jackson, you know, is still a very solid defender and can be, you know, that guy on defense to pair with, you know, Devin Booker, obviously, that's not a strong suit, but, uh, I worry about him a little on offense, you know, these rumors that he has small hands, and that, you know, can impact how well you're able to handle the ball, and, you know, if your outside shot isn't as advertised, you know, that can also limit you know, what you're able to do on offense. He had one game where he hit two of four three-pointers, but that was his best outing, you know, not shooting only, uh, excuse me, shooting only, uh, you know, a 23%. Uh, 23%, yeah, sorry, Uh, from the three-point shots. So that that's a bit concerning.
0: Yeah, for Josh Jackson, the struggles have really just come, uh, not in terms of volume, but in terms of efficiency, in terms of his scoring, again, 36% from the floor and 23% from three, you know, He's managed to put up 17.6 points per game, but that comes in 35 minutes a game, so not great efficiency. You know, only about a point every two minutes. So, you know, we'll see how he does, you know, in an NBA setting when he's surrounded by better teammates and better spacing, but this was concerning for him, and I would worry about his scoring translating to the NBA. Uh, next guy to talk about in terms of stock down, no longer a top pick. We'll, we'll move down to the lower end of the draft to talk about some of these guys. So Darius Thornwell, a guy that, you know, we were both pretty high on, we both really liked. I mean, he's been... Uh, sort of an impact player he's just really struggled to hit shots in the summer league that's been the main issue for him and you know we talked about worrying about his how his scoring translates particularly as a slasher given his limited athleticism and I think that has been a problem for him thus far uh, getting to the rim especially so his three-point shot has also struggled you know we talked about how he kind of shoots a laborious shot that might not translate to the outside and so far he's only two for ten from three so that's a question for him but I think that, you know, Thornwell's managed to put up a good impact even with his struggles uh, in terms of scoring, you know, 19.87 PER in the Summer League so far and, you know, putting up some fairly good volume stats. So not the worst. He hasn't been just totally awful, but uh, his scoring may be a struggle for him early on, and that's something to watch for him for sure.
1: Yeah, Thornwell,
0: one of my favorite guys,
1: He, he had some big games, you know. Obviously, you know, he had some defensive stops and looked very good when they did, when L.A., the Clippers played uh, Lonzo. So I think that, you know, he he has some strengths, you know, on defense. And, you know, that's one of his best facets that they, you know, he can be this premier defensive guys, even though, you know, he his shot wasn't landing all the time in summer league. But uh, I hope that, you know, he can gain it back in his shot. Fifty-four percent on true shooting percentage, so it's not terrible. But I think that he certainly needs to work on efficiency to be able to, you know, really make an impact on both offense and, you know, to help his uh, obviously very solid defense.
0: Yeah, and I mean something that has translated for him is his foul drawing ability. You know, you saw in that Lakers game, he drew eighteen fouls and hit fourteen out of those eighteen free throw shots. So um, even if he struggles to be, you know, an efficient scorer from the floor, his his elite foul drawing ability. I think will continue to help him. And I'm glad to see that translate from South Carolina. That's something that he was very good at that I noted over the course of his career. And that's continued into the summer league. So that's good to see for Thornwell, but you know, it is worth tempering your expectations when a guy does struggle to score from the floor so much. Uh, one guy who's super struggled that we were really high on. Another guy I might have to eat crow on is Wesley Wunder, who I had as my number 16 player on my board, but he was just awful near Orlando summer league for the magic. You know, only posted a 3.99 player efficiency rating, uh, there's basically nothing he did well. I mean, he was getting some fairly decent minutes and just did absolutely nothing. Uh, I don't have a whole lot other than that on Wesley Wundu. Just some pretty terrible performance from him. And um I mean, you know, obviously it's a few games. It doesn't mean a whole lot, but this is a bit of a bad sign when it comes to Wundu going forward. And I, I am a little bit worried with how he performed in the summer
1: league. Yeah, Wundu, you know, one of those seasoned guys that you would hope would come into the summer league, you know, all ready to ball and, you know, be able to make an impact. But he never really got his footing too much, you know, playing for Orlando. You know, obviously they have a lot of players that they've been, you know, rotating through and they've been experimenting a lot. But I think a Wundu, you know, hasn't ever found, you know, his niche and, you know, being such a talented, you know, combo guard. I think that, you know, having a good touch on the ball and being able to, you know, make good decisions is something that definitely comes with time and, you know, that hasn't shown itself fully yet, but I think that, you know, he hopefully can, you know, continue to work on uh, his offense and, you know, being able to be more efficient and, you know, getting teammates as the ball is, you know, his primary concern. So, you know it, it was an up and down summer league for him but you know i think that it, it'll be interesting on you know how we can evolve and move
0: forward i'd say it was mostly a down summer league i wouldn't say there was much up to it you know posting uh only two assists to 10 turnovers over the course of the summer league when one of his biggest strengths coming out of k-state was his playmaking ability um, i am worried about a wounded but again we'll see how he actually performs during the nba season i mean there have been guys who've had bad summer leagues that have gone on to play great over the course of their rookie seasons, or vice versa. So don't read too much into this. But Wesley Wundu did struggle over the course of summer league. Tyler Lydon, another guy who struggled. Again, we didn't like this pick for the Nuggets at all, given team context and you know just Lydon's value as a player as a whole. And you know he continued to struggle over the course of the summer league with the Nuggets, posting just 11 points in 80 minutes played and a 4.60 player efficiency rating. So just a lot of struggling from Tyler Lydon, but. That's not really super surprising to us, but this does look like a really bad pick for the nuggets
1: yeah it didn't you know didn't make too much sense in terms of the context of that nuggets team and he didn't you know provide too much of the scoring that we saw him do you know at his time in college so you know I think that you know having and being able to find a role at, in that nuggets team will be difficult for him and you know hopefully he can increase his you know scoring output and be able to provide a little bit more but you know this has certainly been you know a shaky summer league for him
0: yeah i mean Leiden didn't really score in many ways besides three-point shooting during his time at syracuse and you know that that was something that was a worry for him and you know not being a super elite three-point shooter you know 39.5 percent for him last season i think which pretty good number but it's not you know in that mid 40s where you're looking at a super elite guy so that's a question for Leiden. and also he's probably struggling you know coming from his own defense scheme at syracuse adjusting to playing, you know, an NBA, more NBA-type scheme with the Nuggets. So that'll be something to watch for Leiden. And I think, you know, he's probably not going to play hardly at all this this year, just given the Nuggets' glut of power forwards. You, you look at guys like uh, Juancho Hernan Gomez deserves more minutes, and they just brought in Trey Lyles with Tyler Leiden in that trade from the Jazz. So we'll have to see, you know, what Tyler Leiden does next season, but it's not looking pretty so far. Um, another guy that struggled, uh, the the favorite of the draft community, the darling of the pre-draft process, Derek White. Derek um, White really has struggled uh, in the Summer League so far. I mean, he's been getting some pretty pretty good usage. I mean, about a 25 usage percentage during his time on the floor with the Spurs. But he's just struggled a lot, even with that. You know, uh, posting nine assists and nine turnovers, that's, that's not something that he did at Colorado. I mean, he wasn't an elite playmaker, but he was pretty good at it. And, you know, he's really struggled to score as well in the Summer League, which is disappointing for someone who, you know, people... There were people who legitimately, you know not really like being crazy at all, just like, you know, saying, you know, this guy's almost doing the same sort of things that Markel Fultz was doing in Washington, just on a bit less volume. So that was something that was really disappointing for Derek White is how much he struggled in the summer league. But again, you know, it's the Spurs. He'll probably end up being a 10-time all-star. And so there's nothing really to worry about, but this has been a, a bit of a worry for him so far in
1: summer league. Yeah, one of the biggest concerns about White is that he hasn't, you know, uh, taken care of the ball super well in summer league, you know, not posting a great turnover to to, uh, assist ratio. And, you know, as a, you know, guy that you depend on as your primary ball handler or, you know, at that two spot, you really hope that they can, you know, facilitate an offense. And even though he's not a fantastic passer, you hope that he can, you know, handle the ball well. And that hasn't been one of his strong suits, sadly so. I still believe him in him, and, you know, he put up some very good numbers at Colorado, so I think that, you know, he can, once he gets in his offensive group, I think that, you know, he can really continue to I- increase and work on his outside shot where, you know, he did shoot uh, 40% from three at Colorado, and, you know, he's a very valuable free throw shooter as well, so I think that, you know, he needs that Spurs system to sort of, Get, uh, seep into his blood. I think that you know he needs to stop being like Coloradoan and be a Spurian.
0: Yeah, I like I like those two new adjectives you just made up. Uh, Thank you, Coloradoan and Spurian. Uh, we want to see Derek White go from Coloradoan to Spurian. That's that's the goal with him. Uh, obviously, his his defensive impact hasn't shown up on the stats in the summer league, and that was something that was really good for him at Colorado. You know, one of the best shot blockers amongst guards in this class. It'd be nice to see that show up a little more. But again, we still have some more time in the summer league. We're not even into pool play yet. So we'll or excuse me, tournament play. So we'll see where he goes from here. And you know, a lot of these guys that have been stocked down could come out with some huge performances and and you know prove prove these analyses wrong. But so far, some of these guys have struggled. Last guy in the stocked down section to talk about is Justin Jackson with the Kings. I mean, the Kings Summer League team has been really disappointing. I mean, I came into this expecting the Kings to have one of the best summer league teams. Just given the fact that they had eight legit roster guys on their Summer League squad and also the immortal Jack Cooley, uh, the best player in Summer League. So it's been really disappointing to see them go 0 3 so far. And just like most everyone on the Kings, Justin Jackson has really struggled on offense, you know, just posting low efficiency numbers. And his on court impact numbers have been good, you know, in terms of his per 100 stats at Summer League. But those are just ridiculously noisy because it's three games and, you know, it's all lineup dependent. So I'm not really going to put any stock into that. He's just. He struggled a lot. I mean, his movement is good, and you know he's looked good as an athlete. But offensively, he's continued to struggle. And you know, early on, Sacramento's offense could be very bad next season, as you know a lot of these young guys have struggled. Buddy he Heald really struggling from two point in the summer league so far. So it's unclear to me where the Kings are going to get their points from if George Hill comes out of the gate slower, isn't healthy, and you know Justin Jackson doesn't look like he's going to mitigate any of those scoring issues with his performance thus far.
1: Yeah, Jackson, you know, was one of the premier guys at unc and you know the change to sacramento has been a bit rough i think that you know he has shown some potential on defense he has you know he showed that quickness and speed you know why people thought he could be a decent defender in the nba but you know on offense he's really struggled you know having that outside shot not fall and you know while he is a decent creator you know other people on his team you know deer and fox but he healed of all also struggled and, you know, haven't really created the open looks that he needs to be that efficient scorer like he was on the National Championship uh, UNC squad. So I think that, you know, he he still shows some promise in terms of just, you know, being having the right tools to be a good defender. But, you know, he did show some weakness on offense, you know, when your other uh, teammates aren't really creating for you in the way that you would hope. So, you know, hopefully he can gain a back
0: Yeah, I think Justin Jackson is an interesting player. I'd like to see him succeed in Sacramento, especially given their lack of depth at the small forward spot. Uh, They did just sign 40-year-old Vince Carter, but uh, we'll see how much he can actually play for them. Uh, That finishes up the stock down section for us. We'll move on to the stock neutral. We've got a few guys in here because, you know, we wanted to make sure we covered all the lottery guys and how they've performed in Summer League. Obviously, Frank Nilakina and Malik Monk have not played in Summer League. Uh, Malik Monk due to injury, and I think Nielakina is injured as well. I think he's like uh, tweaked something in practice with the Knicks, which is just classic Knicks. But we'll start with De'Aaron Fox, who you know has struggled with playmaking. You know, only posting a 20 assist percentage to a 15 turnover percentage. But again, playmaking stats are probably the ones that you should least read into during summer league. But uh, I think the main thing that's worried some about Fox is he- he's supposed to be the leader of this Kings team. That was. You know, part of the reason they brought him in was as a team leader and a guy who really bought into the the Sacramento belief that they could be a good team. But, you know, so far the Kings have really struggled as a team going 0-3 in Summer League. And, you know, I think some of that does fall on Fox as a leader. You know, you, you can't put it all on him, obviously. I mean, some of these guys have really struggled scoring the ball. We, we talked about Justin Jackson and Buddy Heald. Hasn't been much better. Scala is also really disappointed. But, you know, De'Aaron Fox, that, that is something worrisome, especially because he was such a winner at Kentucky. But the good news for Fox is his defense has been awesome in the summer league, you know, generating steals and just his athleticism has been showing up up in a lot of different ways. So, you know, I'd say it's still stock neutral for him. I wouldn't put too much stock into the summer league for him, but it is concerning to see the Kings struggling.
1: Yeah, it was kind of strange. You know, and Fox in a lot of the games I played, you know, showed off why people love him with that, you know, super quick speed. And that's one of his best characteristics. But the biggest problem with that that is, you know, he didn't take care of the ball particularly well. You know, he had a high turnover percentage and, you know, didn't create too many shots for other people on his team, which, you know, is problematic for a guy that you're hoping can be the leader and that floor general for your team. So, you know, I still believe in Darren Fox and I really like, you know, what he's going to bring to Sacramento. Sacramento, but, you know, I, I think that the, there's obviously, you know, rough patches that you have to iron out. And, you know, it's in kind of incredible that, you know, I'm I'm kind of coming around that maybe Vlade Divock's, uh claim that they'll be better off without DeMarcus Cousins in a few years may be right, even though it may take a lot of elbow grease.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, this Kings young core does look like it has a lot of promise, but we haven't seen them all together on the floor yet. I mean, I'm not going to count Summer League just because, you know, it's Summer League. But uh, another guy whose stock has been kind of neutral, Zach Collins, you know, obviously really struggled in the offensive end, uh, only four for 20 on his field goal attempts in the two games he's played in Las Vegas, but he's been a huge impactor on defense, a uh, 3.96 steal percentage, 9.04 block percentage, uh, showed some good movement ability. So he's been impressive on defense, but, you know, he struggled as a rebounder, 11.45 total rebound percentage, but you got to think at least some of that is due to Caleb Swanigan just swallowing up every rebound playing next to Zach Collins. But, you know, His struggles on offense and on the glass are concerning, especially given, you know, his high efficiency play at Gonzaga, which has dipped to a 6.66 player efficiency rating in the summer league. But, you know, his defensive ability is encouraging. So, you know, offensively he struggled. Defensively he's been great. So let's put him as stock neutral.
1: Yeah, Zach Collins has been highly problematic. You know, he hasn't been too much of a offensive threat for the Blazers, you know, in the past week, but, you know, that's, I guess, not one of the main reasons why they drafted him. He posted one in the top five in defensive ratings, so that was very good overall in the, uh, in the league, in the summer league, so that was promising, but offensively, he's really struggled from outside and creating his own shot, and, you know, getting open looks has been, you know, problematic for him, so... That's a bit of concern, but I think that you know Collins ha- has some upside, and hopefully, with guys like Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum, that you know take a lot of the pressure off of you. Hopefully, he can get some better looks, you know, next season if he does get minutes next to Nurkic.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's got plenty of time to develop. He's Still only nineteen, so I'm I'm not too worried about Zach Collins struggles on offense, but the defensive stuff is definitely encouraging as a young center. Um, next guy to talk about in the stock neutral section is Jason Tatum. Uh, obviously there've been all these people freaking out with how great Jason Tatum has been, you know, oh, his scoring is so great. And, you know, we, I hate to sound like Jason Tatum hater because it sounds like we're always railing on him, even when he's doing well. And yeah, he's been good, you know, 18 points and nine rebounds a game in the summer league. That's some good stuff, but you know, the flaws that we were talking about with him are still an issue. His three point shooting is still an issue. Three for 10 from three. Obviously that's a small sample, but uh, he's still struggling from out there and just not taking a lot of threes, uh, also makes you a worse three point shooter because it means you just have less of a gravity impact overall i mean uh, 10 threes in 160 minutes that's not a great attempt rate i mean that's probably a that's five games worth and that's only two threes a game if you want to be a good impactful floor spacer you should be taking four or five threes a game and you know i believe in tatum's shot honestly because uh, he's a really good th- free throw shooter and you know his form is a little weird from three but i think he does have the potential to space the floor better than he does so that's something that i would want and you know, he just doesn't shoot enough from three and i think that's a poor part of his game and the playmaking is also another issue for him just seven assists over the course of 160 minutes in the summer league I mean yeah he can be a great scorer but if he's not going to create for others which again is something we talked about a lot is just the fact that Jason Tatum doesn't really create for others all that much he's not going to be a super impactful player because you know to be a truly great player you've got to create for your teammates otherwise you know you're just kind of a black hole a Carmelo Anthony that sort of type and you know that's what we were worried about Jason Tatum becoming and I'd hate to see him develop into that type of player, but, you know, he doesn't look like he's on a great path so far.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, excuse me, as a newly Celtic, you know, Tatum has been putting up some huge numbers. He put up 27 against Philly and, you know, hit, and was part of the reason why they came back and won that game, but, you know, I think Tatum, we, we won't be eating too much crow yet because, you know, what we advertised him was, you know, this Andrew Wiggins-esque character that, you know, can... He score a lot, but, you know, you have to wonder if he's going to make his teammates better and, you know, how he's going to fit there. So he's been putting up big numbers, but, you know, you'll have to wonder about, you know, being able to create for others and doing things outside of scoring. He did, he did put up some decent rebounding, but didn't put up super great defensive stats and, you know, obviously only has had seven assists so far. So that's, you know, a bit problematic in terms of, you know, how he's going to fit with as, you know, a third or fourth main guy behind Isaiah Thomas and Gordon Hayward, you know, if if he's not scoring, which he obviously probably won't with such two-volume scores like that, you know, what else can he provide? So, you know, he's obviously built in that Paul Pierce mold of, you know, this guy that's so advanced, but hopefully he can, you know, expand his game and continue to bring things, you know, outside of just scoring to a Celtics team that's, you know, obviously
0: has two high-level scorers right now with Thomas and Hayward. Yeah, I mean, I'd probably move Tatum up my board a few spots. I mean, i definitely put him over and You know, maybe he creeps into my top 10. I haven't really dove in to all this yet. But, you know, I, I still am not high on him as, you know, a top three, top five prospect just because I don't know what he offers be beyond scoring, as we've talked about. But next guy to talk about in terms of stock neutral is Luke Kennard, the number 12 pick to the Detroit Pistons. I mean, Luke Kennard's has just been exactly what you expect from him you know pretty decent score uh scoring in a number of ways good three point shooter from outside which everything is what you expected but he wasn't doing anything you didn't expect so it's not like it was you know some insanely good pick but you know luke Kennard looks fine he can probably play you know 17 18 minutes a game for the pistons next season even in their crowded backcourt so He's stock neutral. I mean, there's not much to talk about with him. He did pretty much exactly what was expected of him.
1: Yeah, he's been money from outside. He's had some good looks from three, but, you know, outside of that, you know, with his shorter than body height, wingspan, you know, he's been limited on defense and what he can provide, so... That's been, you know, a little bit of a question, obviously, there. And what pr- he can provide is, you know, a passer and someone who can facilitate a uh, Pistons offense that, you know, got really congested at a lot of times. So, you know, he is an outside threat, and he showed that he has been scoring a bit in the Summer League, and that's obviously to his credit. But, you know, y- if you have high-level scores like Andre Drummond there and Reggie Jackson, you know, it, comparatively so. I think that, you know, he'll be uh, an outside threat there, but, you know, he'll have to provide something else, you know, hopefully he can work on his
0: defense and make up for those, you know, physical attributes that he doesn't necessarily have. Yeah, I mean, Pistons offense is pretty starved for shot creation, you know, none of those guys that you mentioned, Andre Drummond, Reggie Jackson, are really elite shot creators on their own, I think Drummond's morally a put-back guy, and, uh, Jackson, you know, really struggled last season, Avery Bradley maybe can provide a little more this season, but, uh, Kennard hopefully can bring some more shot creation to that backcourt, but uh, I would like to see him, you know, add a little more on the defensive end, but I don't know how much he can do that. So, you know, Luke Kennard doing what's expected of him, but, you know, can he really do much more than that? But last one to talk about in the stock neutral section, last guy we'll touch on is Jawan Evans. He was a guy I was really high on, and, you know, the reason I did stock neutral for him was, you know, he was extremely good as a playmaker in summer league. That was uh, something awesome to see from him, but he struggled as a scorer, so, you know, the plus playmaking, minus scoring, uh, stock neutral for me on Jawan Evans.
1: Yeah, Jawan Evans, he's not the crisp, next Chris Paul yet. You know, he's a little guy, and he's struggled with scoring. You know, he didn't show Isaiah Thomas flashes, you know, obviously as this undersized point guard. So, you know, he's a good playmaker and has good court vision. But, you know, with sh- bigger, stronger guys surrounding him and, and locking him up, in on defense i think that you know he'll need to work on being able to hit that outside shot and being able to create space on offense and you know as his main job as a playmaker hopefully he can you know continue to uh, evolve and you know grow as a scorer and then hopefully he'll be you know a bigger part of that clippers offense
0: yeah i mean with all the backcourt guys that they've brought in patrick beverly lou williams milos Teodosic. i don't i mean austin rivers is still there too i don't know how many minutes joan evans will get next year but He's got some good players to learn from, especially you know the awesome Ted Osich can teach him on offense, and hopefully Patrick Beverly can give him some tricks on defense. Maybe Lou Williams can teach him about some cool shot creation. So a variety of players in that LA backcourt to help him learn. Hopefully he can grow there. Um, that's it that we've got so far talking about uh, these summer league guys. Obviously, there's plenty more Las Vegas summer league to happen. You know this will still last six more days. We're filming it, or excuse me, taping this on the 11th, and you know Las Vegas summer league isn't over till the 17th. So. There'll be more to talk about. We'll be back next week to recap all the Summer League stuff. But this is a stock watch so far, talking about these guys. And uh, you got anything else, Cesar?
1: Uh, uh, I'm so disappointed in us. We forgot to talk about the most important person, Bryce Johnson. He's looking good. And I figured it all out, all right? It's a maze, right? Bryce Johnson is dating a woman from Duke. Duke, Tupac's favorite university. Who's LeBron James' favorite music artist? Tupac. Bryce Johnson is the next LeBron James. I proved it. He were coming, L.A. we're coming.
0: Yeah, uh, Bryce Johnson, uh, we, we, we talked about 2016 class looking bad, but uh, if Bryce Johnson is the next LeBron, it will completely make up for all the struggles of the 2016 class. Uh, be sure to go leave those five-star reviews on iTunes. Um, again, we're only doing one show this week. We've scaled back to one show per week. And uh, keep listening, keep leaving those reviews, and we'll see you all next week. Bye.